Surprise! Well, hello there. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> we know that you missed us. Uh, I I did I missed them. I'm not talking to you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been what we just counted the weeks. Seven weeks. Yeah. Our longest pause. Uh, maybe some of you thought that we just gave up. But never. 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 Even. Never. Even if our listenership goes down to single digits, I will continue to release a podcast because I think it's funny. Yeah, it, it's it's like um, live therapy in a way. I well, think, these you know, are we things just... that, you know, in 20, 30 years, this will still be on the internet somewhere. Oh my and gosh. we can go back and listen to it and just have a laugh. I didn't think about that. <laughs> it's forever. Oh, no. Us talking. Maybe this is our last episode. <laughs> I think that's cool. No, that is cool. Yeah. Our kids will be playing our podcast when we're 90 years old. I think it'll probably more be us reminiscing <laughs> listening to our podcast, but I'm that's literally why I'm doing it. So that there is historical record when we leave this wow. planet there are podcasts that we were on. Wow. It's kind of like we're new make spirit right now. I'm not sure I... We've been put into a barrel and we just have to wait 30 years. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, well... And then we can enjoy it later. Hmm. I don't know. I'll have to think about that one. Okay. That's a definite (laughs) FFS. Yeah, deep thought. (laughs) It's whiskey, for fuck's sake. We've had a long week, so we're both running a little low on... Yeah, so we decided to record a podcast. <laughs> I mean, hey, when you're tired, what's better? what better thing to do? <laughs> it's, it is good, though. We've got to talk about stuff. Actually, today, we really need to, I mean, we kind of know we're leaning, but we need to decide and pick our next downing single barrel. And we're going to do that on the podcast. We're going to drink more whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Just what I need. <laughs> Just to drag you, drag you down even further, <laughs> right into the counter. <laughs> yeah, great. All right. Um, no, but this is fun. We're back. So it's been seven weeks, uh, two trips later. Um, we're finally back working together. Um, I think there was a, a whole month that went by and Holly and I did not even like physically see each other. Yeah. Uh, we just tag team basically. Uh, she was great in... <clears throat> scheduling though on our part. Yeah, it worked. Like, I mean, oh, you get in at noon. I am leaving at two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, it it was a long stretch, but you know we made it through. I think um, we've learned a lot because we've we've had kind of um, a lot of travel stretches before where it didn't work too well. You know, where we kind of came back and we were just like, oh my god, that was a nightmare. We made it through this pretty well. I yeah. mean, considering we didn't get on each other's throats too much about stuff, uh, we kind of just chugged along, which was great. Um, and now we're back, and we're both very happy to be back. Yeah, it does feel good to have our routine, and the shop is bustling. Yeah. You can definitely feel the uh, drinking, eating holiday spirit. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's no question. I mean, the number of events we're doing now, too, and... In the evenings, um, you can definitely tell this is the season. And people are out. People are out. I was out last night doing a tasting. It was pretty well attended. Um, You know, there's a buzz out there. People still want to drink whiskey, which is great. 
So while we're on travel, I mean, it's, it's too much. Usually we do like, how was your whiskey week, Charles? But to be honest, I don't want to ask you about the last seven weeks. No, no, we don't want to do that. But some travel, I know you wanted to talk about, because you just had a, a conference call with Greg yesterday, but talk a little bit about um, yeah. travel for 2024. Yeah, so we are working on some new things that haven't been announced yet. Um, but we still do have space on some great trips in the first half of 24. And, um, you know, there's even a couple of spots left for Japan. If anybody wants to last minute jump on that Japan trip in March, please reach I'm out. I'm trying to jump on it. Yeah, I'm trying to convince Holly that she should come. Um, but we need to uh, find... We need a babysitter. We need to find somebody. <laughs> and if somebody really wants to come and yeah, an work at the shop for, you know, say idea. 10 days or so, um, let us know that too. But uh, still space for Japan, a little bit. Uh, and then we still have uh, space for the space side. Um, trip with Greg Schwartz, the director of The Water of Life. This will be our second trip with him uh, and the movie. And he has some incredible things lined up already. We were talking yesterday on the phone. Um, it's possible one of the meals, we're going to be using the cutlery from the the Culloden the night before the Culloden battlefield experience. It's like, this is going to be like history slash whiskey slash incredible stuff tied in with the spirit of space side, uh, festival. Um, I mean, this is quite the trip. So yeah, I didn't tell Holly about that. She's looking at me like I'm on planet eight right now, but, um, I did not see that coming. You yeah. can ask me any, like, yeah, there's, Greg goes big. I mean, this I is pretty that. big. This is like, Priceless. Are we going to eat on the battlefield? No, no. Well, there is going to be a special battlefield uh, visit with the guy who's going to be fully dressed in reenactment, private, private, private thing. Um, you know, they're arranging a whole bunch of really cool experiences wow. for this. Yeah. So um, all you Outlander fans. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and and he is an Outlander uh, guy. He he runs Outlander uh, experiences. Oh, um, okay. In, in that area so um, still space for that you know that's that's really one of those very special trips that we do um, you know it's not your standard whiskey trip that we do it's more of an elevated experience and Greg brings a lot to the table uh, and Holly as well so um, definitely you know join us on one of those two but there are other things in the works but uh, definitely wanted to make note of that well and we were talking about too the the spirit of Speyside Festival that is an attachment to this trip is, I mean, some I see the bottles and all those festivals come out big with big bottles, but I we still feel like everyone's so goo goo gaga for Fage on Isla, and I totally get it, and they're kind of the pioneers of this festival sort of situation, but the spirit of Speyside bottles look amazing. Yeah. Yeah, what they're pouring up there, like I and just am access so to distilleries that you can never visit. So many that are closed to the public. You know, I mean, on Isla, you can go see all of those yeah. whenever you want. Yeah. You don't need to wait for the festival. Yeah, so I, I think that it's the hit, one of the hidden gems. Yeah. Oh, so. definitely. Um, yeah. So that's early May, um, but other things in the works. So just keep keep posted. You can either follow us on our website with First Fill Spirits. 
or you can also um, go on to rascalandthorn.com and uh, you can put your email in that database as well if you want to get updates on just travel um, so there you go yeah that'll be that'll be exciting and then um, we're not going to do a blind tasting because we're maybe we'll give a little bit of background on what happened on Tuesday and then we'll explain the whiskeys that we have in front of us we won't take too long to go through them but um, we had a, a class with Alex, um, who is one of the nine founders of Stowning Danish Whiskey in Denmark. And uh, we've actually, I had met him in New York City at a Drammers event. Um, and we actually had done a virtual class as well with him two years ago. Yeah, when two we years. First, we were one of the first retailers to bring in the core range. Um, we're almost sold out of our current store pick with them, which is their kind of classic claim to fame floor malted rye and malted barley that's matured in new charred oak and finished in tequila barrels, which everyone loves. And we're, it's going to be sad to see that one go. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but because we're running low on that, because Alex wanted to come to Saratoga and Chris, the national brand ambassador, has been so great to work with. He came up just for the night on Tuesday. We had about 25 people here in the shop and all of us together walked through three barrels, barrel picks. They brought um, full bottle samples over from Denmark, hand marked, um, ready for us to be the first to taste. And it's we have not decided yet <laughs> because it was such a tough decision. There was definitely a crowd favorite in the room yeah. But everyone tasted blind, which I loved. Everyone tasted blind. It was a crowd favorite of the middle one, number two. But when we told everyone what they were drinking, a decent amount of two switched to three. Do you yeah, remember that? Yeah, there were a few people, yeah. So sample number one, which to be honest, it's between two for Charles and I, and we'll kind of walk you through our, our reasoning for this. The first one, sample number one, was a pure single malt, so 100% malted barley, so already not classic stowning, when you think of stowning, in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Unpeated, fully unpeated single malt. All of these are at 57% ABV as well. Single malt um, in a bourbon barrel and then finished in an Australian rum cask. This one really caught my eye out of the gate because it sounds great. Mm -hmm. um, then number two was their classic rye again, the 70-30, and it is fully matured, no finishing, in virgin oak, um, 57%. And the third was their peated malt. Um, this was first in ex-bourbon and then finished in an Amarone red wine, Italian red wine barrel. So... What were your initial thoughts, Charles? And two was the clear blind tasting winner. Yeah. And we know why. Yeah. So, you know, um, and this happens. And I think we've learned this um, since the shop opened. You know, picking barrels is not always about what you love, like what you would necessarily gravitate to. You have to think about the majority, right? I mean, it's it's a business. So you want to be able to sell these bottles and 
Um, so first of all, for me, it's got to taste good, period. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if it doesn't taste... The amount of money we're paying for yeah, it, I mean, it, everything in the shop if, better if, taste good. Yeah, so I mean that... The, it could, something could be ruled out and, right out of and the gate I, like that. I, when we did the three of them, you know, the second and third one definitely tasted better than the first. So the number one was pretty much ruled out. It, number one wasn't bad, Maybe but... It wasn't as bold. But it was not... What you, you again, what you said earlier, it wasn't what you would think stowning would be. So, the reason that I liked number one, and I said this right to Chris when we were all, you know, kind of in our tasting zone, number one is what Holly likes to drink. It tastes like a 12 year old IB of Kregalaki or Ben Nevis. Yeah. That's what it tastes like. And it does not taste like stowning. No. So, it doesn't makes sense if i if we were trying to bring in a murray mcdavid single barrel of Kregalaki, then that makes sense sure but it it tasted like scotch and you don't want stowning and alex even said this you don't want stowning to be known for that yeah and to be honest i've never tasted they don't want to compete with Kregalaki. exclusive single <laughs> you know? malt unpeated from them so right. i mean which could make it a cool factor because there's not a lot of it right but there wasn't a ton of rum influence it just gave it a little funk this is what a type of scotch flavor profile that Holly would grab. Yeah. Now, of the three for me, though, number three was the one that I would drink mm-hmm. personally. The peated. The yeah. peated. But, and we, you know, I just had, I, we just picked a couple of other barrels in Kentucky um, a few weeks ago. And, you know, I was with a group. And, again, I can't, the, the group... The group pick that isn't necessarily the store pick. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I have to think like, you know, okay, you like a little bit of rye spice, that's great, but the majority of the U.S. doesn't like a lot of rye spice. You know, they like sweet. Um, so even though it might not be my number one pick, it will be the Wait, pick. Wait, did you say rye or rice? No, I was talking about like. A few weeks ago when I was in Kentucky. The rye spice. Yeah, the rye spice. So some of these bourbons. You're saying rice spice. No, rye. (laughs) Uh, Some of these bourbons that we tasted, you know, were uh, pretty high rye uh, flavor profile. Uh, They weren't weeded bourbons. But, you know, some some rye uh, bourbons will be uh, spicier than others. Um, And if you like that rye spice, that's great. You're probably going to gravitate towards that. But the majority of our our viewers and our shoppers are yeah. sweeter. They like sweet. Sweet bourbon. So I kind of had to think about that with this. So the second uh, barrel that from Stoning was that virgin oak. Six years. So the oldest mm-hmm. to date from them. Definitely, you could tell right off the bat, just from the nose, that it was going to be the crowd favorite. I mean, it was going to be pretty hard to, to yeah. beat in terms of just sweetness and it tasted really good, though, too. And out I mean, of the gate, you know, again, number one, well, number one into our single malts, I with time, they continued to evolve. Number two is in your face, you know, it's it's new chart oak. It's, yeah. you know, that slap, that punch. And I knew just from color, we even had someone say, you know, side by side, and they were American whiskey drinkers, but she said, the first one was clear, and I said, "Well, it's it, it's all relative, you know." It, it, was it really to... tastes good. I just had a first sip since that night, 
I mean, the it's, it's, yeah, it's really so. Good. My two concerns so, if, if we were just going votes, clear winner, obviously it was good. My two concerns, and, and we talked about this, and I think it'll be good to hash it out again, is we already had a virgin oak rye yeah. with the tequila. Right. So we don't want something similar. They <clears throat> definitely taste different. They do taste different. But it's it's in the a same lane, though. A lot different, though. But it's in the same lane compared to what else we have in front of us. And in a blind tasting, I would guess this is 95.5 MGP. <laughs> Which I don't want that either. We have 95.5 Old Pepper. We have, and it's it, it's much different. It's it the is. malted rye, but I was getting dill, a lot of oak influence. It's very American. Mm-hmm. And that made me a little hesitant too. Yeah. Well, huh. I mean, I like, again, number three for me was my favorite, the peated, in terms of what I would like to drink from Stoning. Um but, you know, I just did a tasting last night at Henry Street Tap Room and the scotch, which I usually don't offer a peated scotch just because I know most of the public out there can't handle smoke or doesn't enjoy smoke. And I brought a peated scotch last night. Not even and heavily it, and peated. It, and it's not even heavily peated. And it was by far the one people didn't like the most. So I was like, wow, okay. I know. You know, that's, again, you have to think about that, right? I mean. Oh, it's so good, though. I know. Peated. I know. But if we buy 200 bottles of this. I know. <laughs> you're going to have to find 200 peat lovers yeah. that are going to want a bottle. Yeah. You I know? know. Oh, this is, and it's it's not even like it's a wisp of peat. I mean, this is peated. It's on the nose. It's all throughout the palate. It's not like right. Rosé. No. You know, where you're like, oh, it's just Arden a dash. Again. This is, yeah, this is a more yeah. Isla similar. I mean, maybe even a, a, a stronger Talisker note, too. Because it is that Highland peat, you know. It's, oh, it's a, yeah. Highland Park, even. I could see it. You know, like a stronger Highland Park. Yeah. That's really nice. It is. Oh, it's juicy. It's... <laughs> Maybe we need both. <laughs> it's like half and half. Oh, God, I don't think All right, do who that. wants to buy the peated <laughs> out there? 220 yeah. bottles. <laughs> yeah. You know, we never thought of that. We Maybe do half and half. Maybe we can find okay. somebody to do we the other half. Out. Yeah, maybe we could find a retailer to Yeah. Look at that. This is why we hash things out on the podcast. Yeah. I did tell Chris we would let him know by the end of the week. Yeah, which is tomorrow. <laughs> um Yeah, maybe we should really think about that. So, if anyone has any, we obviously will discuss some of our friend retailers, but um Anthony down in Roma, if you're listening, um <laughs> Better listen Anyone quick. else listening that might want to split something with us? Preferably New York State, but um, yeah, because they're not available in many states. Right. So it'd be New York, New Jersey. Um, yeah. Oh, all right. Let's not okay. bore people with well, anyways, our brainstorming. We think we wanted to do a reveal, and now we just made it more muddy. But we think we're going with number two. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have until tomorrow, so we'll sleep one more wink. I mean, number two's nose is fantastic. It is great. I yeah. mean, it's a really great whiskey. It's it will not be it's difficult definitely to a, sell. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's 
it would be really easy to sell this. Yeah. Even more easy than the and I, other And I would be proud of it. You know, I wouldn't. Easier than the other stoning we have. The thing with that stoning, though, is verbally when someone hears tequila, but when they taste it, no one's ever said no, you know, because of the tequila. Mm. So that one, I think, is a bit, at least for there me. There are a couple people that are not into tequila that didn't really want to taste agave. I mean, I didn't, if they said they didn't like tequila, I didn't even pour it for them. Yeah. Because um, tequila is that sensitivity that well, yeah. is all or nothing sometimes. Or you've had a bad experience yeah. with it. <laughs> well, Chris, if you're listening, um, that is not our answer. And we will let you know tomorrow. <laughs> Which this will be released tomorrow. So we'll find out. But um, all right. Thanks, Stounding, for Yeah, awesome for joining recipe. us. That was really, really, really awesome. We also had, they brought a cool uh, Dirty Bastard sample. It was the very, the, the very Dirty Bastard. So yeah. the regular Dirty Bastard's not cash strength. This one was cash strength, yeah. which yeah, is a, a stout beer cast Everyone finish. wanted that one. Mes, mex, mezcal <laughs> and Mexican stout beer yeah. cast finish. But he said that that could be our third barrel. In a year. All right. We'll keep them to it. <laughs> All right. We'll quickly go over some new bottles to the shop. A lot has obviously come in and left since we last spoke. But yeah. Murray McDavid, they had that cast craft uh, that we had mentioned about a month ago, uh, which is kind of their entry into independent bottlers, 46 or 48%, maybe 45. Um, Non-age statement, great finishes. But they did now rebrand and come out with uh, their single cask releases as well. So I think this is what we'll see from them, but some great distilleries oh, in yeah. that mix. Um, Braveall, Tobermory, um, Glen Talkers. It's actually a lechic. Yeah, it's the peated. It's the peated, yeah. yeah. So Tobermory. And, and Kalila. <clears throat> um, yeah. Then we have, uh, speaking of Indian whiskey, we're going to be talking about that in the news, but... From Amrut, bottled by Amrut, so the single malts of India, the Karinji. Um, I actually have not tasted it, but the tasting notes sound amazing. It's like white flowers and custard and yeah. saltwater taffy, and that's right up my alley. Um, You're not doing that in your tasting tonight? No, I need all. Oh. Yeah, doing the peated. Um, we also have Dixon Deadman is back. Um Behind, am I? I'm correct, right? Yeah, he was. Um, Stoli bought him out, right? Am I getting that backwards? Uh, I don't know. From uh, Kentucky Owl. Right. Look it up quick. That was Stoli. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Then he was. He left. Yeah. So yeah, his new brand, Two XO. Yeah. I'm not sure what the vision is with it, but we brought in his double oaked bourbon. The one that I was most impressed with was from South Carolina, the High Wire. Yeah, um, that was very tasty. Not cheap, but really, really good. We've got that in um, Jimmy, the Jimmy Red. We have a couple new rums from Raising Glasses over in Boston. Um, Hindostian Falls bourbon, which is exclusive to us in New York. Spirits of French Lick. Yep. Um, Boone County's Amberana came out just to see who's better, Barrel Amberana or Boone County Amberana. It'll be a battle of the Brazilian oak, uh, which is happening in American whiskey right now. And we got some James Edie's, Edie's back in. Oh, I didn't even see those. Yeah, we've had them, but I don't... That Jura should not be around anymore. No, it's amazing. Keep, um, that Jura was fantastic. We got their Glenn Spey, Coila, and uh, yeah, the Jura. So 
and a lot uh, is waiting to come in this week and obviously just holiday releases in general. Yeah, it's looking pretty good right now. So before we jump into Indian whiskey, which is hot in the news right now, um, I'm going to let Charles kind of take the lead um, on Kanuske. 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 Yeah. Well, it's better it's than easy, um, you know. Yeah, well, that's what everybody <laughs> usually says. So we're going to Japan. We're going to Japan. That's going to be our distillery focus of the yeah. day. And the only reason we're kind of doing it um, is because it's kind of getting a lot of play here in the U.S. right now. I've, I've been noticing quite a few people posting pictures of some Konosuke bottlings on their social medias and um so it's kind of cool that they're finally making waves here in the U.S. But um, they're one of the newer distilleries in Japan that really kind of is leading this new kind of craft whiskey movement in Japan. Um, they're located really, really far south in the Kagoshima uh, prefecture, um, which is about as far south as you can go in Japan without getting onto some other islands. Um it's also not too far from Mars Sunuki. So we actually went in March and visited both Kanosuke and uh, Mars Sunuki on the same day, which was quite a wonderful day. Um, but they're, they're located right on the East China Sea, which is the west coast of the Kagoshima Prefecture. Uh, really amazing uh, location. It's right on the water. It... it um, it's not a place that a lot of uh, tourists visit. It's kind of really out of the way, uh, not not near anything of um, you know significance in terms of tourist things to do. But um, it reminded me a lot of kind of this Northern California coastal vibe. It, there's a beach there, but it's kind of this long, tall grasses and the water right there and the breeze, just really beautiful. But um, they they started the the business itself. The company goes back really far uh, a long time ago, back to 1883, uh, making uh, shochu. So that's where when we see a lot of these uh, newer distilleries now uh, coming out of Japan, a few of them you know come out of that world, the, the shochu world, um, and they're transitioning. They see how hot Japanese whiskey is, and they want to make some good whiskey as well. Um, so their their family, their story goes back all the way to 1883. It was actually the second uh, pr generation's president uh, whose name was Konosuke. That's where the name comes from. Um, but he was, this was quite a while ago. Um, but one of the cool things that they do is they were one of the first people to use oak casts for aging shochu. So it's almost a natural for them to get into whiskey production because of the use already of oak casks um, and now they are distilling um, they opened up in uh, let's see what was the year in November of 2017 uh, their first distillate off the stills was in 2018 so again very young only five years old at this point uh, and then in June of 21 a couple of years ago it was when they released their first single malt uh, and we had in the shop both the 21 and 22 editions of Konosuke. Uh, we tasted them both. The, the 21 was really, really solid. Uh, both of them very good. Very um, tropical. Yeah, super really tropic, tropical. Uh, one of the things that's really kind of unique to them is that they do 
um, use um, X uh, shochu barrels. Um, so, you know, when, when a lot of people uh, are using uh, used oak, it's usually used bourbon barrels. Uh, but they do use some ex shochu barrels. Uh, and then another really unique thing to them is that they have three stills. Uh, most uh, distilleries in Japan and Scotland and, and, and in a lot of places in the world, maybe besides Ireland, um, use just two stills. But Konoski has uh, three stills. And what's interesting about that is that all of the stills have different um, directions of their line arms. So you have one that's going up, one that's horizontal, and one that's going down. So it really gives them a lot of flexibility to create different styles of whiskey, depending on which stills they want to use. Um, so one of the probably most um, exciting new distilleries since Chichibu uh, to open in Japan Great packaging too. And yeah, it's beautiful very clean, packaging. Very, the distillery I I haven't been, but the distillery speaks of being very modern design and very clean. That kind of coastal yeah. vibe that you were um, explaining, and maybe I was reading up on it since I haven't been there, but I've tasted them and really enjoyed what I tasted. Um, it says that there's a lot of sugarcane fields there, kind of speaking to their their shochu history. Um, I'm no shochu expert, but I mean, if they're making that their shochu out of sugarcane, I mean that could help push that tropical, luscious because it's great mouthfeel. It's it's pretty viscous for such a young whiskey i found especially in the 2021 you know it had that juicy yeah, definitely the tropical yeah. notes um it, what's interesting about the areas um if you go inland there you the temperature doesn't fluctuate that much it's kind of this warm balmy temperature year round but when you get on that coast there it does fluctuate a lot like the 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 interaction with the barrels uh, because of the temperature fluctuations is, is quite significant. And then you also have that salty sea spray that comes in right off that coast too. So they have a lot of things going on there that might not be typical for that prefecture, actually, just because of where they're located. Um, you know, when you go visit uh, Mars Sanuki, you know, they're much more inland they probably have less temperature fluctuation where they're located. It's probably warmer year-round than it is right on the coast. Um, one of the other things that's pretty cool about Konoski is that they're one of only two uh, whiskey makers in Japan, um, craft whiskey makers in Japan, that are actually making their own grain whiskey too. Mm -hmm. So we just heard you know, that Chichibu is opening their second distillery up in Hokkaido uh, with the you know, primary uh, reason of making grain whiskey. Um, now you have um, Konoske doing it as well. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so lots of good things coming out of Japan. We're really excited to uh, follow their journey. And they do have their, a standard single malt release now. It's not a 21 or 22 edition. It is a standard release. It, I don't, oh, I have not, yet? I don't think it's available yet, but it should be coming. What do you think the price uh, a lot less. Cheap. No, yeah. it's a lot less. Um, I do have to say, I mean, I did taste it at the distillery. They did let us try it. Um, this was back in March. 
it doesn't hold up to the well, 21. It's, it's not, not cash, cash strength, strength for one. Yeah. Um, you know, and that sometimes happens when they have yeah. like, it's like Dingle. Remember Dingle switched from their batches to their standard release yeah. and we're like, ah, you know, it's come on. Adjusting. <laughs> yeah. It's some adjusting. Um, You're growing with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the future. It's like two. We still have the 2022 and what it's like two. No, it's 170 something. Oh, okay, yeah. So still expensive, no yeah. question. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's still for a for a craft special bottle. It's not that expensive for Japanese. Yeah, you know. Um, and they're um, they're a part of Distill Ventures portfolio, correct? The Diageo incubation arm. I'm pretty sure I've, that they are. Yeah, yeah. I think Which that's is the case. same with Downing in Star Wars. Right. So we obviously have. Uh, uh, yeah. No. I mean, um, I've also there's also one of the things when if you get to Japan, and you get to go to some bars, look for the single casks from Konosuke because they do a lot of single casks. Only in Japan. Pretty much. Released. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that's another way. Of being able to try their whiskey in different so, see, maturations. So you have to go there yeah. to get the really, really, really good stuff. Yeah, I mean, when I was there in March, that was the three things I was looking for at bars were obviously Chichibu. But, you know, Chichibu is as great as it is. It's kind of, I don't know, it's not like dying in, in popularity, but it's definitely um, more people know about it and there's more releases and it's whatever. But Konosuke... Shizuoka is the other one. There's lots of single casts that are released to bars and that in Japan. Were there Japan. any Fuji? Gotemba? I didn't see cast? a lot of Fuji. Cool. Um, yeah, no, I didn't see a lot of that. Um, but uh, definitely Shizuoka is doing a ton now as well. Uh, and other newer distilleries. There's quite a bit of new stuff going on in Japan right now. Um, and the rice whiskey, I know we were just talking about. There's some new releases. Like, yep. Yeah, we got to kind of regroup on that and Suntory and Nika well Nika more so have started exporting more to the states so we now have actual Nika products that yeah. aren't just the coffee malt and grain on our shelves so right. it's um yeah it's good news it's yeah good news. oh no it's exciting oh for sure it's I think we're just at the beginning yeah of kind of another wave of Japanese whiskey and speaking of it's actually we didn't plan this but it's perfect to kind of run into the Indian whiskey um, and news that we wanted to talk about because I actually of course obviously very different very different points in the whiskey journey and and historical context but um, I have a I just kind of see this like deja vu of Indian whiskey the local market is like hey we actually really like the stuff you were exporting let's keep it here sort of situation that we saw in Japan. Um, a lot of articles coming out of big time Indian magazines um, about, you know, their whiskey um, here in the States as well. Forbes, which I didn't know that they had a whiskey of the week award. <laughs> I don't know if that's new, but um, actually... I need a whiskey of the week award. <laughs> Forbes, though. I was like, oh, when did they God. start that? Um Maybe we should we should start um, a whiskey person of the month. Whiskey person? Yeah. Oh. Someone that we like. Okay. In the, not like, but respect in the. Okay. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. A whiskey person of the month. Because yeah. what does Forbes know that we don't know? Yeah. 
I mean, we should pick our own. We should right. give out awards. All right, next episode, we will have our whiskey person. <laughs> I don't the... know if we'll continue it, so it could be one and done. But one person is going to get whiskey person of the month. And we're not talking interview. We're just talking... No, we just say their name. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They may never know that we said their name and that they got the award. Okay. But... Yeah. We'll get... We'll... Yeah. We'll, there will be an award. Yes. <laughs> we'll print it ourselves. <laughs> there will be a t-shirt made. <laughs> And on the back of the t-shirt will be all the people of the of the month. Like, you know, a list of our single barrels. It'll be these people. No. Yeah, that'd a be really, a little really, weird if they that's didn't a really know dumb that they idea. wanted. That's such a dumb idea. put their names on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, maybe we'll do that. Maybe we won't. But, um, yeah, Forbes, I, if you follow, which I'm sure a lot of you do that listen to this, but um, our, our friend Raj Sabarwal, who's the importer of Amrut, um, and really one of the pioneers of Indian whiskey. He's been posting a lot of articles and he's been working his tail off for years, yeah. you know, trying to build this category. So it's great to see that coming through. Um, and just some Indian whiskey history. I know a lot of people are like, wait, what Indian whiskey? A lot of us maybe haven't been to India and are not sure of the landscape. Obviously a massive country, Tons of Scotch whiskey and other whiskeys are being drank there. I think they're the main importer of blended Scotch whiskey. And as that um, industry continues to grow, Indian whiskey is not um, is not new, but it was always exported. Um, before, when we think of whiskey, we think of um, single malts and bourbons and things made out of a grain that go into oak, um, and that you know, are from one single distillery or a marriage of, of different grain and barley whiskeys from a couple distilleries. But Indian whiskey kind of came with the term originally. What they were producing in India was actually what we would legally call rum. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually am doing a class tonight on Indian whiskey, and I have photos of a lot of their Indian whiskey brands. Um, and Officer's Choice, which I think I have... Um, the biggest Indian brand is Officer's Choice, which is a marriage of grain whiskey that they've imported from Scotland, married with Indian rum. Um, and they sold 400 million bottles in 2015. Holy mackerel. I mean, these are, they, they're drinking there. They just, you know, there's a, a lot happening. Now, the, I guess the rules there, though, are not the same Right. So that's what they call, that's legal to yeah. them because the government doesn't have a definition for whiskey. But is but that going to change? We'll have to see. I mean, obviously that can't be exported. That would be a spirit. Right. So right. Um, that's all happening within this bubble of the Indian whiskey market. But as they as they grow as consumers and obviously are, you know, there's ambassadors now there for blended scotch and people, they're learning about, you know, Scotland and, and American whiskey and... You know, all of the Emirates, the Paul Johns, the now Kometsau, Indri won that award. Um, you know, Rampur has won so many awards. They're like, hey, we're making this really good stuff and it's all going to export. Yeah. Um, and it's not a lot. It's, right. They're not, this, these are not huge distilleries. Um, I think there's some though. Isn't there some though that they're making like special stuff that isn't going out that is just for the Indian market too? Sure, but I mean, the whole story of Amrut is that it was 99% export yeah. because no one wanted it in India. It didn't make sense. What it, We already have Indian whiskey. What is this? So, I mean, 
This is plus it was much more expensive. Yeah, I mean Amrut first, and I remember there was like a little YouTube video about it, but it was what was the date? Um, Amrut was first. It began in 1948. Um, they make lots of different types of liquor, like a lot of these distilleries get started out. Um, in 2004, Amrut launched, launched their single malt um, in Glasgow. Hmm. You know, so it was. There was no market for it. It's, it just mm -hmm. reminds me of the Japanese whiskey history. It's it's different, mm -hmm. but this uh, kind of the local market not paying attention to it. We've got our own thing going on here, and then that turn of like, wait a second, yeah. that's ours. Yeah, and we want it now. Um, I don't know. It'll be an interesting dynamic. Well, I mean, you, you, you've been hearing about all of these projections of you know who's going to take over the world in whiskey well, and and we have india, talked is, about india, like india is always like now being discussed as the one we talked about it too you I know mean, we we talked about it more on it's crazy. from a scotch perspective of please keep drinking scotch india <laughs> yeah when i was in um at glen Kinchy in uh september you know the the tour guide it was one of the first questions he asked was what are the top 10 uh, selling whiskey brands and six of them were Indian well but those are these Indian I'm talking volume yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right are. no I get it but still yeah I mean the volume That's, is there yeah crazy so, um, yeah I don't know I mean I'm very they deserve these accolades I mean that need hall was amazing I love that Amro is you know you know uh, what's the quote again I always mess it up that a uh, rising tide raises all boats mm. You know, there's a lot of smaller distilleries that don't have the ca capabilities to export, and Amrut's uh, becoming and acting like an independent bottler with the single malts of India line. We're on our only two releases, but I think that's a great way to introduce even more variety into the scene. Where are they? Um, are they in Goa as well? Or Amrut, no, no. Um, Amrut is. That's just Paul John, um, right? Yeah, they're the one right on the coast. They're up. Further, I have it in my notes here. I should be preparing for tonight. Um, Bangalore. Okay. Um, yeah, they produce their two indies, rum as well, which I know Raj imports. Paul John is Goa. Um, and obviously, you know, we're, we didn't talk a ton about terroir, but all of their different, the different types of barley that they have access to in their climate. I mean, there's a lot of factors coming into play. Huge country, so a lot of different Yeah, talk factors. about different uh, climates and yeah. environments. Oh, my goodness. You can go all the way up to the Himalayas yeah. there. And... So now's the time to dip your toe in Indian whiskey. Like the, the Kemet and Injury, we can't keep on the shelf. Now, that's also because of price point. Um, the Amrut's, Paul John has always been a little bit more reasonable. Amrut is, too. What we carry is a little bit of the higher-end range of Amrut, but... Um, Commit an injury, sit below sixty dollars. You know. How about a um, whiskey tour to India? Yeah, I'd like to go there first and <laughs> get the lay of the land oh, okay. before I bring people, and that oh, would be a I lot of fun. I think it would be fine. We all go just for the first time. <laughs> the distilleries are all over that country. So what? Even better. It'll be eye-opening. We you know, climb. You're Mount not going to want to go back. I tell you, you're going to be gonna like, gonna I don't know. We're going to climb Mount Kemet. It's like the 12th tallest mountain in the world. Oh, yeah, that would be great. We'll lose a lot of people if we tell them we're doing that. They'll be happy about it after all the whiskey experiences. That'll be an add-on. 
<laughs> we'll end the tour in Kemet. Yeah, they're, you know, right. Um, it's named after all those Nepalese mountains are right in that region. So, I mean, that's, yeah, I'm up for that. Let's That'd be go. pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. It's obviously a new frontier for us as whiskey travel, too. Right. And, um, I mean, I we should try and yeah. get over and visit a, visit a few spots. Yeah. It's coming. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, boy. Well, we'll have to get back to our stounding. Yeah, mix we'll and come back to reality here and just uh, focus just on our bourbon more again. Danish whiskey. <laughs> um, but we did have an old Carter rye oh. break on the truck today, and I'm going to be honest, I still smell it pretty heavily. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> that was not a pleasant delivery. Pouring out at the box. I, I just knew what was also in that box, and it just that just made me sad. Oh, I've never seen Charles run so fast. Yeah. To a delivery truck. Yeah. All right. We don't know. We don't need to go back to it's that like moment. It's like a kid running to the milk truck. I don't want to make people sad now. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we're back. Happy to be back. Yes, and, and we will be more consistent. Oh, we didn't say. It's season three. Episode, episode two. two. Yeah. Yeah. We said that at the very end. Yeah, well, we better all be still listening. I think we said it early. I don't know. I just, we probably should have kind of introduced it again since we had yeah, been we here in a while. Yeah, we didn't, that's true. I said bastard on the podcast. I didn't know if you noticed. Oh, but we should put censored on the All of description. them say explicit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not for kids. The name of the podcast has a swear word in it. Not for kids. Yeah, I'm not sure how they regulate that, but I'm clear that it's explicit. Yeah. So... All right. Sorry about that. Tis the season. Potty mouth. Tis All the right. season. All right. <laughs> See ya. Are you going to say bye? Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye.